The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Good morning. My name is Shelley Negrani, and I am a member of this congregation. On behalf of the Reverend Dave Dunn, our Director of Music, Alex Peach, Director of Religious Education and Membership Coordinator, Ayana Kafi, the ushers and greeters, and the technical team that is making today's live stream possible, I would like to welcome you to Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North, which we lovingly call Human. Human is a liberal faith community with the mission to nurture our spirit, strive for justice, <clears throat> and transform the world. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's old age, not COVID. <clears throat> Many of us come to Human because here we have the opportunity to search for truth and for meaning, being mindful of the love we hold for one another and for the world in which we live. No matter who you are, no matter who you love, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. I have several announcements this morning. Today's coffee and conversation, which is kind of a deep dive check-in, will be held in person after the service downstairs in room three. Everyone is invited to join for community sharing and support. The team is working on figuring out how to continue virtual coffee and conversation 
if that is needed, but for now it's only going to be face-to-face. I have a message from our COVID safety team. We would like to remind you of COVID's of Human's COVID-19 safety guidelines, and we ask you to cooperate to make our worship space as safe as possible. Please leave two empty seats between your household and the next household. Everyone's in compliance, thank you. Please keep your mask over your nose and mouth at all times during the service, even when voicing joys and concerns at the microphone. The only exception being speakers from the podium. We are watching the developments with Omicron closely and will make any necessary adjustments in our guidelines. Please stay tuned to human announcements and to our website for the latest information. Thank you. Reverend Dave will be hosting part three of his environmentally focused course Dark Green Religion at 11.15 in the Discovery Hall Youth Group Room. Even if you missed the first two sessions, the conversation should be lively and all are welcome to attend. The annual Children and Youth Christmas Pageant will take place on YouTube at 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve next Friday. Please plan on watching to support our children and youth. The production was fully written by those youth. Rehearsal and filming for the pageant will be today at 11.15 here in the sanctuary. Please talk to Rafaela Shanahan for additional details. The candlelight Christmas Eve service will be held here in person um, at 7 p.m. unless COVID causes us to change and make it virtual. We understand that it can sometimes be difficult to hear the various speakers in our sanctuary. We have some accommodations available to those who experience this issue. If you have difficulty hearing our speakers, please see a member of the technical team in the back corner. They will be able to assist you. Thank you. Good morning. This is by Reverend Sherry Woodbury. At this time of mystery and magic, let us enter into the Christmas story as if we we were there on that holy night. What part will we play this year? Are you the mother, trusting your body to know what to do when the time of birth comes? Are you the father? protecting your vulnerable family from unknown threats on a strange journey? Are you the innkeeper who has no room, or will you take us in? Will you be an agent of the state, making sure there are no illegals wandering about? Perhaps you're the animals who hear the child's first cry. But who will sing the songs of rejoicing for the precious babe? Will you play your drum for him? And who will rise up and follow the bright star of hope, even if it means a few lost sheep? What wise ones will give away their wealth and remember what to adore? 
And when the Holy Family must travel once again, who in this harsh land will shelter them? Let us search our hearts for our place in the Christmas story that never ends. Let us choose again our role in the incarnation of love. And now, let us light our chalice together. For most of human history, there have been rituals to call back the light at this time of year. The belief that a human ritual could affect the turning of the earth symbolizes our connection with the planet. Let us light our chalice to call the light and connect with our home, the earth. Now is the time in the service when the love that binds us together is spoken aloud. Within the loving community of this congregation, we take time to share with one another our joys and sorrows. If you are so moved, please feel free to come forward, drop a pebble in the bowl, and express a joy or a sorrow that you may have using that microphone. For those of you attending via our live stream, If you have a joy or sorrow that you would like to share this morning, please type it into the chat. You're invited to come forward. Good morning. My name is Ann Bender, and I have a joy that um, my work with the Remembrance Coalition of Gwinnett County, the city of Lawrenceville, and the county of Gwinnett is uh, fantastic. We'll be having a marker unveiling on January 15th, and the city has designed a beautiful memorial garden for Mr. Charles Hale. Hello, my name is Anna Tomic, and I have a joy. It's almost my sister and my and my birthday. I'm Denise Wilson, and my family and I have a joy. We are really looking forward to the arrival of my brother, Tim, and his wife, Autumn, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to spend a few days with us this week. Hi, my name is Donna Melcher, and I have a sorrow that my Aunt Jean Bragg passed away 
And the joy of it is that I was able to spend some really nice time with her before she went on. Um, I have a concern that my husband, um, Ashik Nagrani, is taking some time to recover from knee replacement surgery and is experiencing a lot of pain. I have a joy. The sun is returning on the 21st, and we're going to celebrate that. So join us uh, at 6.30. I dropped this final pebble for those joys and sorrows that are still too tender to share. Let us hold one another in our hearts until we are together again next week. Sometimes it's difficult to hear. Um, and folks have requested that I put copies of the sermon out in the foyer. So I have about four copies out there for folks if you want to take them. They're out there on one of the tables. So my favorite Bible story is the story of the little drummer boy. You know the story. There's this little drummer boy. He comes across the baby in a manger and... There's the wise men there, and they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and the drummer boy doesn't have any gift to give. And then he asks the mother if maybe he could play his drum for the baby, and the mother says, nods approval, yeah, go ahead. And the boy plays his drum, and apparently the, the baby, Jesus, smiles at him. You know, it's such a heartwarming story. So I decided, you know, I wanted to go, like, read the story for myself. So I went to the Gospels in the, in the New Testament. There's four Gospels in the New Testament. And I decided to try the, the book of John, the Gospel of John first. That is the most unique of the four Gospels. The three others are called synoptic Gospels because they kind of tell the same kind of story. But John is different. So I went to that one. Um, there, there was actually no birth story of Jesus in the Gospel of John, so I was a little perplexed. So then I, I decided to go to the, the Gospel of Mark next. Now, according to biblical scholars, almost universally, the Gospel of Mark is regarded as being the first Gospel that was written of the four. Um, so I thought that maybe because it was the first one closest to the birth of Jesus that the story might be in there. So I go to the Gospel of Mark, start reading. Actually, the first chapter of Mark talks about Jesus' baptism as an adult. There's no, no birth story in the Gospel of Mark either. And I'm like, what gives here? What's going on? 
So I tried Luke. Yes, I struck pay dirt. There's a birth story in there. Finally. So I'm reading, 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 reading. And, and, you know, there's, I couldn't find the little drummer boy. I couldn't find the magi in there. There's, there is a manger. There's no room. There was no room at the inn. They had to go to a manger. There were shepherds there, but they didn't follow a star to get to the manger. There's no mention of farm animals, but since it is a manger and there were shepherds there, I'm going to give them that one. There probably were animals there. But what did they do with the little drummer boy? I only got one more shot in the, in the New Testament, and that's the Gospel of Matthew. And yes, there is a birth story of Jesus in the book of Matthew as well. But the little drummer boy isn't in there either. I'm reading and reading and reading. It, it, actually, it's a different story. There are no shepherds in that book. There are the magi, the wise men. There's the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. But they didn't follow a star to get there. No. Oh, they followed a star, but not to a manger. Sorry. They followed a star, but not to a manger, just to a house. So there's no manger, no shepherds, no animals, and again, no drummer boy. What did they do with the little drummer boy? Who did he drum for? Apparently, not the Jesus of the New Testament Bible. But then a light went on, and I figured it all out. There's a perfectly rational explanation for all of this. The stories of Matthew, the stories in Luke, and the story of the little drummer boy, wherever that came from. You see, those stories reflect, this is my rational mind thinking, not the birth of a single baby, but three different babies named Jesus about at the time 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. That's what I think. Doesn't that make sense? That might be blasphemous. Does that sound far-fetched? Okay. His birth was from a virgin, and it's celebrated near the time of the winter solstice. He was a wise teacher who was eventually persecuted and executed for his teachings. His death came to, came to represent a sacrifice for all of humanity so that they may partake in universal salvation, resurrection. Does this sound far-fetched? And of course, I'm talking about Jesus, correct? Well, not necessarily. Throughout history... And even at the time of Jesus, there are numerous accounts of this same story shape. Numerous accounts. It's a very common, compelling motif. Yet the earliest Christians, and most notably the Apostle Paul, spread the news of this particular man, Jesus, Son of God, and it became the most 
influential story in all of Western civilization and possibly all of world history. I attended a Catholic school for the first four years of elementary school, and I can remember my third grade teacher asking us, which is the greater feast day, Christmas or Easter? And she went around the room, and each child had to answer individually, publicly, audibly, for all to hear. Of course, I answered Christmas. Why? Because I got a lot of presents. That's why. At Easter, I only got some chocolate and some pink and purple and yellow sugar-coated marshmallow gross chicks. I mean, who wants that? Undoubtedly, Christmas is the greater of the two feast days. Wrong, said the teacher. She proceeded to tell us that because Jesus's uh, Easter celebrates Jesus conquering death through the resurrection, and that he conquered death for us as well, so that we too may have everlasting life in heaven. This is basic Christian theology. Okay, I can definitely understand why Christians would think this is important. Yet since the third grade, I've also heard evidence that said that actually the feast day of Christmas is actually more important. Now for Christians, Christmas celebrates the incarnation of Jesus as a human. It celebrates the incarnation of Jesus, the Son of God, and part of the Godhead, according to the doctrine of the Trinity, incarnation as a human being. The theological or the theologian and philosopher Mark Taylor says the incarnation is the negation of a radically transcendent God. So let's let's think about that for a minute. Most religious traditions think of God as utterly transcendent and unknowable. You can't really know God. Utterly unknowable, transcendent. In Islam, it's blasphemous to give God a form, a shape, a likeness. In the Hebrew Bible, God is active. God does stuff. He participates in our world. Yet ultimately, his ways are still unknowable. Ultimately, inscrutable. In the book of Job, Job is caused to suffer. It's really, he's causing to, he's he's caused to suffer as a result of a bet that God is having with Satan to test Job's faithfulness. Job doesn't know this, of course. He's just inflicted with all this suffering. And in the book, he, he, he's getting angry. He, he, he wants to, an explanation from God. He wants to He wants to know why he's suffering so much when he's been such a faithful follower of God. And he asks God. And God replies, 
Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that a flood of waters may cover you? God is essentially saying, who are you to question me in an attempt to understand my ways? The God of the Hebrew Bible is active, does stuff, forms covenants with his people. Yet his ways are ultimately unknowable and inscrutable, mysterious, fully transcendent. Yet the idea of the incarnation in the New Testament radically, shockingly changes this. Imagine a human giving birth to God. God as a human, one of us, a God we could know, talk to, break bread with, that is radical. Of course, the nature of Jesus, fully human, wholly human, wholly divine, somewhere in between, has been debated for 2,000 years. Yet at the Council of Nicaea in 325, a stake was planted in the ground by religious authorities, and they said that God was both fully human and fully divine. Fully human and fully divine. Jesus was fully human, fully divine. New Testament scholar and early Christian New Testament scholar and early Christian scholar, Luke Timothy Johnson, said that this fully divine and fully human nature of Jesus decided at the Council of Nicaea inevitably shifted attention away from what Jesus did or what God did in Jesus to who or what Jesus is. In a sense, it was a shift from Easter the Feast of the Resurrection, what Jesus did, to the Feast of Christmas, the Feast of the Incarnation, what Jesus is. The significance of the Incarnation for Christian wholly negates a fully remote, transcendent, unknowable God, making God accessible, knowable, and it establishes a direct link between God and humanity. Eastern Orthodox Christians um, believe that this connection is a gift from God that makes us divine in some way, and something that they call theosis. For Eastern Orthodox Christians, this connection is something that we can examine, yet not through the rational mind, not through intellect, not through thinking, but
but through a practice they call Hezekiah. Hezekiah is, is silent, wordless prayer. Wordless prayer. And they focus on breathing. It might be similar to medication or meditation. I have not practiced Hezekiah. But that is important, a way of examining the direct connection between humanity and God in Eastern Orthodox Christianity. On a side note, I find it fascinating that time and time again, across many religious traditions, that the deepest, most intimate religious experiences are universally unachievable through your intellect, intellect, through your rational mind, through thinking. It's as if you're, if you're using your mind, your intellect, your thinking, you're not admitted to the party. And what do you use pride themselves on? I'm just saying. I was a little disappointed not to find the story of the little drummer boy in the Gospels. I didn't have time to review where the story originated, and I sure hope that it's not Hollywood or Tin Pan Alley. But regardless of the details, for Christians, the story of Christmas is the story of the incarnation, the negation of a radically transcendent God to one who is fully present with us, to us, as us. It's through the incarnation that Jesus, fully, fully, fully human, says, come hell or high water, come what may, I'm here with you. I will walk with you in our suffering and in our joys. And together we, 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 all of us, will feel the sting of lived human experience and taste its beauty. And that is beautiful. And I know that I wouldn't turn away from that kind of commitment, from anyone who is offering that. Anyone willing to risk that contingency of the flesh with me. How about you? In an effort to fulfill and further the vision and mission of this congregation, we ask that our members and friends bring forth and share their many and varied gifts. With this, we will now take the offering 
using the Givelify app and passing the basket. We accept the sacred offering generously given by our beloved members and friends, and may we use it wisely and judiciously in service to our mission. The worship associate reading was written, is called Christ is Contingency and was written by Christian Wyman. <clears throat> Christ is contingency, meaning Christ is subject to chance, not absolute. Meaning Christ, fully human, is uncertain 
as reality right down to the molecular level is uncertain. I suppose that to think of God in these terms might seem for some people deeply troubling, not to mention heretical, but I find it a comfort. It is akin to the notion of God becoming human and entering and understanding human suffering or understanding that there could be no understanding of human suffering. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27:46. And indeed, what is most moving and durable about Jesus are the moments of pure helplessness. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Luke 22:42. Sorry. No, through the incarnation, God is given over to matter the ultimate uncertainty principle. But what a relief it can be to to befriend contingency, to meet God right here in the havoc of chance, to feel enduring love like a stroke of pure luck. We will now extinguish our chalice, and please say this with me. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we meet again. In the fullness of your incarnate humanity, May you befriend your contingency and the contingency of all that is. And may you meet God, however you envision her, right here in the havoc of chance and feel the enduring love like a stroke of pure luck. Go in peace and enjoy your week.